Welcome to Denim Wrapped Nightmares, Tipsy Exchange Podcast, where we explore the Supernatural series episode by episode. Over drinks, we'll discuss the lore, the gore, and what we adore about the Winchesters and their adventures. I'm Burley, and I'm a new fan of the series. I'm LA, and I'm here along for the ride. Now let's get tipsy. Hello, LA. Hello, Burley. Our last two episodes were kind of depressing. Yeah. This one was not so much depressing, a smidge. Yeah. (laughs) But before we get into this episode. Yes, the last episode was Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. And Sam and Dean were investigating Bobby's hometown where the dead were rising from the grave. But they weren't attacking humans like zombies. They were happily reuniting with their families and just trying to live their lives. Except for that first guy who went and murdered that guy real quick. He went and got some revenge. That's true. Yeah. yeah, he got revenge first. Revenge real quick, and then he went happily home yeah. to his family. Mm-hmm. Uh, the boys w- went to Bobby for help, but Bobby told them not to worry about it and just to get out of town. Get out. <laughs> um, so they were like, that's weird. And so they investigated some more, and they came face-to-face with Bobby's dead wife. And she claimed she had no memory of what happened to her, but once the zombies started turning evil... The boys had to tell Bobby he had to kill his wife, uh, but he refuses, ends up she does have her memories, and he does end up killing her. And then he was like, oh, by the way, this whole thing was done because the angel of death doesn't want me to help you guys anymore. Oh, yeah. And Sam was like, yeah, but you're still going to help us, right, Bobby? And Bobby was just like, uh... (laughs) (laughs) Well, today's episode... Is called Dark Side of the Moon. It's the 16th episode of season five and originally aired on April 1st, hey, 2010. The episode starts out, Sam and Dean are in their motel room and we hear a man say, you looking for this? And it did not go the way you think it did because <laughs> it was the barrel of a gun that he had held out near Dean's face. Dean sits up and sees that Sam is already awake and looking so precious. Like I told LA, I was like, how is it Jared Padalecki is this six foot five tall beast of a man? And yet he has the capability to just look like the sweetest little baby who's just, he's so upset (laughs) with these two other hunters who were in the room. These are fellow hunters, Roy and Walt, who somehow, we don't know how, but somehow found out that Sam had jump-started the apocalypse. I don't know if they knew the whole vessel of Lucifer and all that other stuff, but for whatever reason, they've decided that shit can't fly. We got to go murder Sam. Kind of an afterthought, though. I mean, it already happened. Right? It's on its way. Like, well, yeah. What, what is that going to do? If you don't know about the whole vessel thing, what problem are you solving Right. by going and murdering him? Roy and Walt, I guess they aren't the brightest bulbs in the box, you know? Clearly. Especially because... After Dean makes them and is like, oh, Roy, Walt, hey, nice to see you. They just go, what's it fucking matter? And take their masks off to be like, yeah, it is us. I still would have pretended like, who's Roy? Who's Walt? What are you talking about? Well, they're just going to kill him. Yeah. Well, they weren't originally planning to kill Dean. Oh, that's right. They shoot Sam after they take their masks off and have their little, we're going to kill you banter. And this is why they shoot Sam, which I just, that caught me completely off guard. I thought they were going to get out of it somehow, but nope. Shotgun to the chest. Sam falls back on the bed. Blood everywhere. I just sat there like with my hands over my mouth. Was like, what the fuck? (laughs) And Dean 
was livid. Jensen Ackles working that jaw in his throat. He did really well conveying the steaming rage that was probably building within Dean. And that's when one of the hunters, I I don't know who was Roy and who was Walt really, but one of them said, we're going to have to kill him now too. You just murdered his brother in front of him. Do you really want to spend the rest of your life knowing Dean Winchester is on your ass? Well, valid point, right? I mean, and plus you've gone this far. Mm -hmm. I loved it. Whenever Dean pointed out, when I come back, like he knew, I'll be coming back. I'm going to be fucking pissed. And they shoot Dean, take him out too. And then it goes supernatural. (sighs) Dean awakens and he's in the Impala. At first, I was expecting it to say, like, 36 hours earlier. Like, one of those things. Yeah, same. Yeah, you know? That's what I was, like, looking for. Okay, so how did we get here? I thought we were going to get some backstory on Roy and Walt and what led up to this whole confrontation. But no, that is not what happened. Roy and Walt are no longer important at this point. (laughs) They are literally just the guys who gunned down the Winchesters. Yep. So Dean's in the Impala. He wakes up. He's kind of confused a little bit at first. He gets out of the car and is looking around. Young Sammy, I think it was the same actor from After School Special. I think so, yeah. Comes running up and he's got a box full of fireworks and he's super fucking excited. It's 4th of July. They're in the middle of a field. He's just like, let's go. Come on, Dean. So Dean follows him. And as this is continuing to unfold, they're lighting, what do they call the Roman? What are they? Roman candles. Yeah, they're lighting those, shooting those off, shooting off fireworks. The lighting was just fucking gorgeous on Jensen Ackles' features in this whole scene. I had to pause it and just look at L.A. and be like, he really is just a beautiful man. It really is. It was a cute scene, though. Mm-hmm. The music was perfect. The lighting was perfect. The editing was perfect. The special effects for the fireworks were perfect. It was a lovely scene. It, it was really beautiful. At some point, Dean says that he remembers this. He remembers when this happened. It was 4th of July in 1996. And Sam is just like, thank you so much, Dean. Dad would never let us do something like this and hugs him. It's just a really heart-touching scene. But it ends abruptly as we see kind of cut through these choppy sequences of Sam and Dean getting shot. So that's when we realize, okay, this isn't a flashback. This isn't a dream. He's actually dead. Dean goes back and gets in the Impala and Cassiel comes in over the radio. And Dean is still thinking it's a dream at this point. He he remembered getting shot, but hadn't quite put two and two together yet. He's still thinking it's just a weird choppy dream. And he comments like, you got to stay out of my dreams, man. Like, what the hell? And Cass is like, you're not dreaming. This isn't a dream. You know, like if you if you think you know what's happened. And Dean does remember, okay, I did get shot, so I'm dead. And I loved that Castiel went, condolences. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It was such a Castiel response. (laughs) It was perfect. I loved it. It was very cute. So he tells Dean that he's in heaven and he needs to follow, what is it, the Axis Monday. For some people, it's a river. For some people, it's this. For you, it's a road. Cool. Follow the road. You'll find Sam. Dean follows the road and pulls up in front of this house. Beautiful house, but it's not their childhood home. So I was kind of like, okay, what the fuck is this? Turns out this is one of Sam's memories where he had gone on a date with Stephanie 
his girlfriend at the time to meet her family for Thanksgiving. And it was hilarious when the dad is talking to Sam and the little girl reached over and squeezed Sam's thigh. He like jumped. <laughs> I thought it was so funny. And then Dean appears because he's come in. He was just like, really? Really? Sam also thinks that he's in a dream and is very confused as to why Dean is suddenly popping up here. And Dean explains to him, you know, we're actually in heaven. We need to follow this ex this Monday. And they're trying to find a way to talk to Cass. So they're looking at a radio and Cass pops up on the TV. They're thinking, okay, how do we get back? And Cass is like, don't follow the light. Oh, I forgot this scene because this was pretty important. As Dean and Sam are talking about being in heaven, talking about what this memory is for Sam, the lights go off, like everything goes dark. And it sounds like a helicopter or something is flying around outside and there's a spotlight. So Sam and Dean go to hide. <laughs> Dean like moves some things and hides behind a couch, like ducks behind a couch. Sam, on the other hand, gets a wonderful hiding place by just really pressing himself up against a wall. You couldn't see him. He blended in with the wall perfectly. Okay, so after that happened, Cass comes on the TV and they tell him, hey, this really weird thing just fucking happened. And he was like, don't go into the light. I'm like, okay, noted. And they made a fun little poltergeist reference there. Cass points out that they have a unique opportunity because they're behind the wall and they could go talk to Joshua. And Joshua is an angel who talks to God. Castiel gets really irritated with them. Is like, don't you think that we maybe want to go fucking find out if God has been saying anything about the impending freaking apocalypse? Sam and Dean are both like, okay, touchy. Calm down. It's okay, Cass. We'll find the road. We'll keep following it. Try to get to the garden to talk to this Joshua guy. They open a closet and they find, what were they called? What? The little electric car thing like a tracks tracks yeah. tracks yeah the little electric tracks for toy cars they find one of those in the closet this triggers a memory for dean he goes wait a minute i used to have one of these so he plays with it for a second and it transports them into one of dean's memories so we started in dean's memory then dean visited sam's memory now dean's gone to one of his memories and he's taken sam with him i thought it was cute that now sam is dressed in his normal clothes because he was in his memories clothes. And now Dean, because we're in Dean's memory, he's in his clothes. He has on a t-shirt that says, I love hugs. That's cute. <laughs> and Sam was delighted to point this out to him. <laughs> they have been transported to a memory in their childhood home. Mary appears at the door and is like, hey, Dean, are you hungry? You want to come have some lunch? So they go downstairs and Dean is just begging Sam to just let him have a minute, let him hang out in this memory for a little bit. And it was really interesting because there wasn't a whole lot of dialogue, but, you know, we could tell not so much from what was being said, but how it was being said and the facial expressions they were choosing to go with it. That for Dean, this was a wonderful memory and he was really enjoying himself and he just wanted to be here and hang out for a little bit. And yet it was torture for Sam. Yeah. Because he never got to have something like that. And he does say that later on in the episode. But like you and I, we already knew it, you know, just from Jared Padalecki's performance, the way he delivered those lines where he's just saying, we really should keep going. But the pain that was behind them, it was really heart wrenching. It was. And we find out that John and Mary, you know, Cupid said just a 
couple episodes ago that they had the perfect relationship. They were the perfect couple. It wasn't so perfect. Dean even made the comment that, yeah, like, it was the perfect relationship once she was dead. Convenient. <laughs> right? Well, I mean, that's how many times have you heard people talk about the one who got away? Oh, yeah. You yeah. know, you fantasize it because it's gone. You think on only the good stuff, potentially. Sometimes it goes the other way around. True. Where you think it was a great relationship until it's over. And then you start to realize exactly how toxic and fucked up it was. But anywho, it turns out that while this memory was going on, John and Mary were actually kind of temporarily separated. But, yeah. Temporarily separated. John had moved out of the house. They were fighting. And things weren't so great at that time. Dean consoled his mom after a call from John. Mary even made the comment about how Dean was her little angel. And Sam made the comment of, I guess I just never realized how long you've been cleaning up dad's messes. After Sam kind of points this off, Dean is just like, okay, yeah, you're right. We should get going. <laughs> like, let's, let's not like actually get into the Freudian stuff that's going on here. Ugh. Let's move on. <laughs> they start going through the house trying to find this next version of a road that they need to find. And Sam ends up finding a postcard. It says Route 66 and he's staring at it and he goes, this is familiar. So now we get transported into one of Sam's memories. And we're in, I want to say it was kind of a trailer home. Yeah, that's what it looked like. Yeah, I think it was I think it was a trailer home. There's postcards all over the wall. I think it turned out he was a teenager probably at this time. Like bed on the floor, pizza boxes and trash everywhere. A golden retriever comes running out and Sam gets very excited. He's like, Bones, this was my dog. And we find out that there was apparently a period of time in Flagstaff where Sam ran away for two weeks and was living on his own. I think he said he was living off of Funyuns and pizza and soda. This was a good hey. memory for Sam. Sounds good to me. <laughs> he had a dog. He never got to have a dog because they were always traveling and everything. Which I'm like, where'd you find that dog? And what happened to that dog afterwards? Where's Bones? Right? What happened to Bones? Dean points out that this was two of the worst weeks of his life. That Sam ran away on his watch. And their dad was none too happy when he got back home and there was no Sammy. So Sam just kind of pointed out, I'm so sorry. Like, I never thought of it that way. He never considered what happened to Dean during this period. He just remembered it as a good time. Dean moves past it. Like, whatever. Let's keep going. And he goes out the trailer door. They end up on another road. And at first... Dean is very confused because it's not one of his memories. He doesn't know where they are. He doesn't know what's happening. And he asks Sam, like, where are we? And Sam tries to move past it. I don't know. But here's a road. Let's follow it. This is what we're supposed to be doing. Let's just go. Let's move on. And then it clicks for Dean that this is the night Sam left them for Stanford. Mm -hmm. And Dean is just like, holy shit, man. Like, this is the worst. Like, all these memories that you're having... It's another family's Thanksgiving. It's you by yourself in Flagstaff. It's you leaving us. These are your best memories? And that's when Sam pointed out, like, I never got the crusts cut off my PB&J. Like, I don't have those family memories that you do. Family's not the same thing to me as it is to you. Which, valid. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Before they have the chance to really flesh this out and get into the fight that needed to happen here, the helicopter is back. The spotlight is back. So they take off running into the woods. Turns out it's Zachariah. And he points out, you're on my turf now, boys. Like, what do you say? 
You're trying to run away from an angel. Yeah. On foot in heaven. <laughs> With that out of the box thinking, how have you not already stopped the apocalypse? I was like, that was he's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, he's such an asshole. I love him so much. <laughs> yeah, so we've got Kurt Fuller finally. We are getting some more Kurt Fuller in the show. So he's telling them that, you know, I'm going to put you back. But first, I'm going to pretty much torture you to the point that you're going to be begging me to say yes to being Michael's vessel and Lucifer's vessel. And let's get this show on the road, essentially. Dean and Sam try to outrun him again. And all of a sudden, there's a Lucha Libre wrestler. (laughs) not expecting that i was very confused i was like what the fuck so he's got on a shirt a sleeveless shirt jeans a gold cape and isn't it lucha libre isn't that what it is oh i don't know hang on let me google it yeah lucha libre mask he's just like follow me sam and dean decide to follow him no questions asked just go with your gut sometimes guys that's the message here The Lucha Libre wrestler guy goes running to this kind of shed looking thing. And he has chalk, draws this symbol on a door, opens the door and ushers the guys inside. We are now in a huge bar, which I didn't realize at first that we were in the roadhouse. Oh, I didn't either. I was very, I was like, okay, where are we now? Whose memory is this? You know, kind of thing. The Lucha Libre wrestler runs in front of them, takes off the cape and the mask and is revealed to be Ash. And we both cheered. Yeah. <laughs> we were so happy. And let me say, Ash is not my type, but he was wearing those jeans. <laughs> so Chad Lindbergh, good job. Good job. <laughs> Especially when he walks around the bar. <gasps> Ooh. I loved that they brought Ash back. Me too. I was hoping we were going to see Ellen and Joe because at that point, that's when we realized, oh, we're in the roadhouse. And you and I both, I think you and I both were like, okay, Ellen and Joe are going to come out. I know. But then I started thinking about it. I was like, too soon. Is it? Too soon. Probably. Yeah. It didn't happen. Nonetheless. In fact, Ash didn't even know they had passed yet. So that was kind of sad. Whenever he found out they passed and he was like, did they at least go out fighting? And they were like, yes. And then Dean had to put a damper on it. It was like, yeah, but there's no point. Yeah. It's like, shut up. So during their reunion with Ash, we find out that heaven is personalized, individualized. And for most people, you can't even go visit your loved ones. Only special cases like soulmates get to actually share a heaven. But since Ash isn't your normal person, he's figured out how to visit multiple heavens, including Einstein, Andre the Giant, Johnny Cash, and the author of the Kama Sutra. Mm. So he's seen some shit. I like when he was in the Kama Sutra and he was like, sweaty, confusing. (laughs) It was hilarious. Also, while Ash has been in heaven, he's rigged his own Holy Roland police scanner. Listening in on Angel Radio, essentially. And he's figured out Enochian. He's fluent in it now. So he's known every time Sam and Dean have been to heaven. Sam and Dean are like, what? And Ash lets them know, this ain't your first rodeo. You guys have been up here multiple times. Sam and Dean have no memory of this. So Ash suggested that the angels must have windexed their brains. Uh, They let Ash know that they're trying to get Joshua. They're trying to get to the garden. They have some questions for him. They need to find some stuff out. Ash is going to help them try and figure out how to get there and do this stuff. 
But he also lets them know that there is somebody in heaven who would like to chat with them. And it was Pamela Barnes. I did find it was interesting. They kind of split up. Sam is with Ash. Dean is with Pamela. That Pamela, I wouldn't say she was trying to encourage Dean to say yes to Michael. But she was just telling him, like, maybe you don't need to fight it that much. Yeah. Worst case scenario, a bunch of people die and they come here. You know, speaking for myself, I'm fucking happy. Mm. I love my heaven. Such is a peace. Even though I understood her point, I also was like, that doesn't seem like a Pamela thing to do. Right. But I guess, yeah, if she's happy and she's at peace and she's saying this is the worst case scenario for people who die, but what if those people are going to hell, Pamela? You don't know what they did. In fact, we find out that the only reason Sam and Dean were in heaven was because God had permitted it. It was odd to me. Maybe it's like how she says goodbye to him. She wanted him there. Mm. You know? Like, come on. Y'all still owe me a threesome. (laughs) I helped you guys do your whole astral projection plan, and uh, you didn't hold up your end of the bargain. Pay up in heaven. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) While Pamela and Dean are catching up, Ash and Sam have zeroed in on Joshua and how to get Sam and Dean to the garden. He's figured out the formula, the Enochian formula, which includes a division sign that he needs to go and draw on the door. And he warns them, Zachariah is going to be on your ass. I assure you, he is watching every road to the garden because he's going to know that's where you're fucking trying to go. Pamela hugs Sam goodbye and lays one on Dean. It's a pretty, good one. It was pretty hot, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Out of all the kisses we've seen on this show so far, I got to say that was it was pretty hot. Yeah. That was a good one. And she says, mm, just how I imagined it. I bet. Dang. I fucking bet. Ash told Dean that he'd see them again soon. And Dean told him to keep a six-pack on ice. Like He's like, oh, I don't mean to be a downer or anything, but... <laughs> I'll be seeing you again real soon. Also, you're in heaven and you can conjure up anything you want to drink and you're going to stick with like Bud Light. Yeah. Come on. Ash, come on. What did he say the roadhouse smelled like? Bud, blood, and what? Uh, I don't know. I liked whatever he said. I should have <laughs> wrote it down. It was Bud, blood, and something. And I was like, ew. <laughs> <laughs> Sam and Dean go through the doorway, but they're transported back to their childhood home. It's nighttime. All the lights are off. They're just like, shit. Okay, well, that didn't work. Let's try and find the road again and and start all over. And then Mary comes around the corner and asks Dean why he's up. Did he have a nightmare? Dean just is like, okay, I love you, but I don't have time for this. And you're not even real. We got to find the road. And she says, well, let me tell you about my nightmare. About the night I died. And shit. It got dark real quick. Like, it was already dark because there weren't any lights on. But Samantha Smith, like she definitely went from mommy to mommy dearest, Mm -hmm. like, really well. Yeah. Eerie. Very, and smiling while she was, it was, She said some pretty awful things. She said some terrible things. Talking about, like, her skin boiling off. And also. Oh, yeah, the, the smell. Yeah, the smell. She was like, at first I thought I left a pot roast in the oven. But then I realized it was my meat. Like, uh, uh, and the blood that came seeping through her pajamas added to it. I will say they turned on some lights in the room and they were green. And I was curious why they went with green. Hmm. 
Okay, I understand why they wouldn't have gone with red because that would imply hell. Yeah. They weren't in hell, they were in heaven. Yeah. It did make it, it added to the eeriness. So it was a good choice. I just wonder what the thought process was behind that color selection. Oh, and at one point, she like blinked. We heard the shutter sound and she blinked and her eyes went yellow. It was just very creepy, very eerie. She told Dean he was a burden. Oh, yeah. She, would, she was shackled to him. And that when she died, at least she was rid of him. Yeah. Like, oh, God. And I hate that that's what that's the memory because we know that they get to keep their memories this time. They, they, don't, they don't get Windexed this time. So that's the final memory that Dean gets to have of an interaction with his mom. Yeah, it's awful. Even knowing it's fake. Still, we know that that was probably his worst fears being verbalized to him. Oh, yeah. Oh. And then Zachariah shows up. You guys thought you are going to sneak past me? It's not going to happen. Oh, Dean says, oh, well, yeah, you're still bald. And Zachariah's yeah, like, okay. I have six wings, four faces, one of which is a lion. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> and then he's like talking about how, well, I've really come to enjoy the blessed memory of your mother. Like kisses on her neck and is rubbing on her arms, like really sticking it to the Winchesters here. We find out that Zachariah used to be well-respected. I think he said it was employee of the month every month. Mm -hmm. People would look away from me whenever I walked down the halls. And now they're laughing at me because I got assigned you asses and I've been failing. He said, I can't close a deal on a couple of pathetic flannel wearing maggots. Zachariah is threatening to torture them again when all of a sudden Joshua appears. And he's just as polite as could be. Just like, excuse me. Sorry to interrupt here. But I need to talk to those two. Zachariah is pissed at first. He's like, what? Like, I'm going to pull rank here. You don't get to fucking come in here and make orders and demand something of me. Which I do think it's kind of curious. So what's the whole, the structure, structural tree or whatever of ranking and everything here? Oh, because yeah. Zachariah outranks Joshua, but Joshua is the only one who talks to God. Like, what? What is happening here? But Joshua says that, oh, you know, I, I understand it. You outrank me, but these orders come from the boss. And you know how he is about that whole wrath thing. Zachariah and his little minions who were there helping him torture the Winchesters go away. And Josh transports Sam and Dean to the garden. While they're in the garden, Joshua's explaining that, you know, everyone's going to see what they want to see. And apparently for Sam and Dean, the garden appears to be the Cleveland Botanicals. <laughs> they went there on a field trip once. Sam and Dean are asking Joshua, you know, why he talks to God. And Joshua points out, well, I don't talk to him as much as he talks to me. I think he just appreciates that I'm a gardener like him, you know, gardener to gardener. And I think he gets lonely. So they ask him, where is God? And he says, on earth. And they're like, where exactly? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> but I do know that he knows what's going on. Anything that you want to tell him, he knows. But he has a message for you. Back off. He's already intervened more than he has in a very long time. He put you two assholes on that plane after you let out Lucifer. He brought back Castiel to come be your little companion. You know, he's done all he's going to do. He knows the apocalypse has started and he's not going to intervene anymore. He's done. He's like, that's not my problem. Yeah, exactly. Sam and Dean are just like, what the hell? I don't know if he's giving him God's message at this point or if this is just Joshua speaking where he's just like, yeah, Dean, you've completely lost faith in yourself. 
you've lost faith in your brother and this was your last hope. So I'm sorry. I was like, damn, Joshua. It's a rough time for Dean. Really rough. I mean, he's sincere in what he's saying. He's like, I'm sorry. I mean, he's being really nice. Some of the things he said I thought were awful, but I also thought he sounded like Winnie the Pooh. So it was just very confusing. Like, it's like, oh, bother. (laughs) The apocalypse is going to happen anyways, Dean. Would you like some honey? (laughs) I love how the actor did it because it really was just all very sincere. Like, he wasn't being mean. No, no. But the things he was saying were just like, you're shit out of luck. Yep. Oh, bother. <laughs> Dean is pissed. He's like, okay, you know what? I get it. I'm used to deadbeat dad excuses. So we'll just fucking figure it out. Thanks for nothing. It's awkward. <laughs> and Sam is just like, you know, I don't know. Like, maybe he's misleading us or something. I don't know. But Josh is just like, no. Like, I'm not misleading you. I have no fucking reason to lie. I'm rooting for you. But, you know, I just, I just trim the hedges, he said. Thanks, Joshua. <laughs> Josh is just like, okay, it's time for you guys to go back. But this time, God wants you to remember. And then this bright white light flashes and Sam and Dean wake up in their own bodies back in their adorable little hotel room. I liked this hotel room. I don't know why. Yeah. There was a partition wall. There was subway tile. It looked fantastic. There was this lavender and red color scheme going on i liked it i haven't noticed a hotel room in a while but this one i noticed for whatever reason and sure enough they they remember everything they're just waking up there's still blood all over both of them their bodies are healed but there's still blood all over them and their beds and their clothes are still fucked yeah dean like turned around and the holes were still in the back of his shirt yeah then we cut away but come back to the hotel room and castiel is suddenly there And he's obviously been told everything. Poor Castiel. He is just devastated. Distraught. Yes. At first he's like, maybe Joshua was lying. And they're like, no, like we kind of covered that. He let us know. Oh, bother. No, I'm telling you the truth. Castiel is just like, you son of a bitch. And whenever he said it first, I thought he was talking to Sam. I was like, oh, no, poor Sam. But it turns out he's talking. He's looking up like it pans around and it shows him looking up. He's cursing God. Uh, he's like furious that God's just like back off. Not my problem. Castiel takes out the amulet. Oh, because that's the other thing Joshua let them know. Like your amulet's not going to work. You're not going to find him. It's not going to get hot for God. So Castiel gives it back to Dean and it's just like, you can have this back. It's fucking worthless. It's not going to help me. Piece of shit. (laughs) Which Dean also decides is fucking worthless because as Sam is saying, we'll figure it out. We're going to figure it out. It'll Find be okay. Way. Yeah. Dean doesn't say anything. He just picks up his bag, leaves the hotel room, and throws the amulet in the garbage on his way out the door. I was just like, holy shit. Ugh. And in front of Sam, who gave it to him. Rude. Well, I think that was the point. I think, I know. you know, there's a line in the episode where Zachariah said, I'm fucking petty. And I was like, oh, I guess Zachariah is uh, not the only one who's petty. I liked he said, what did he say? Lucifer. I think I wrote it down. What did I say? What did he say? Oh, Lucifer may be strong, but I'm petty. Yeah. And and so is Dean. Because the whole reason, I think, the again, they've been hanging out with these angels. He had to be real dramatic and let Sam know that his feelings are hurt. That Sam's best memories that were replaying in heaven did not involve Dean. Yeah. But that's the end of the episode. It was written by Andrew Dabb and Daniel Laughlin. 
This duo also wrote, I believe the children are our future. And Sam interrupted earlier this season. It's also the only episode directed by Jeff Wulnoch. Wulnoch? Mm-hmm. Wulnoch. We'll only have to Wilnoch. say this name once because this is the only episode he ever did. Wulnoch? Wulnoch. 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 Is it like tough or Wilnoch. is it like? Wilnoch. I don't know. Good job, Jeff. I liked this episode. I thought this was a good one. Yeah. Uh, gore. There wasn't any gore except for them getting shot at the very, very beginning, yeah. which was just more startling than anything. I was, I did not see that coming at all. Yeah. Mary getting bloody again. Oh, yeah. That was more disturbing than gory, right, though. Right. But yeah, I did forget about that. Not a gory episode. Mm-mm. I loved this whole concept of heaven and all Ash's cameo was delightful. It was nice to see Pamela again, too. Yes. Did you adore anything? Well, it was Ash. Of course. And seeing Mary. Always. Them jeans. Oh, yeah. That kiss. Oh, yeah. That was nice. Mm-hmm. I adored that. <laughs> I liked Cass coming through on the radio and the TV. I really, I really adored this episode overall. I mean, again, like I said, it was kind of depressing like the past two have been. I hope that the next one's not so sad. Right. We need a little light. I need lightness. some more lightness. Yeah. Great to see Zachariah. Kurt Fuller, as always, phenomenal. He did really great because whenever we've seen him, he has been almost comical most of the times that we've seen him. And he was at first with his, you know, little jibes, his one liners and whatnot. But he did get very menacing in that childhood home greenlit Mary scene. Mm-hmm. He, he got to where he was on the verge of being scary in that scene. I hope we get to see Zachariah go further with that menacing. I don't know if we will, though, because how do you defeat that? Mm. Anyway, I enjoyed that, too. I enjoyed Kurt Fuller's performance. He he did menacing really well. All right. Well, lore. So we're going to talk about the Axis Mundi that was mentioned. The, it is the hub or axis of the universe. It's a technical term used in the study of the history of religions. It comprises at least three levels of reference. The image themselves, their function and meaning, and the experiences associated with them. Vivid images of the axis of the universe vary widely since they depend on the particular worldwide entertained by a specific culture. Foremost among the images designated by the term axis mundi is the cosmic mountain, a sacred place deemed to be the highest point of the universe and perhaps identified with the center of the world and the place where creation first began. Well-known examples of the cosmic mountain were are. Mount Maru of South Asian cosmology. <laughs> Harabarazidi. Sure. Yeah, of the Iranian tradition. And Hemenborg of Scandinavian mythology. The cosmic tree at whose top abides the celestial divinity is another frequent image standing for the axis of the world. The roots of such a tree may sink into the underworlds while branches traverse the multiple world planes. At the center of the classical Maya vision of the world stood Yakshi, which is the first tree or the green tree, whose place marked the center of all meaningful directions and colors of the universe. Hmm. A cosmic pillar may also serve as an axis mundi, such as the case with the Delaware Indians and other Eastern woodland peoples of North America. 
The center post of their ceremonial cult house supports the sky and passes into the very hand of the celestial deity. The Milky Way is often view, viewed as another form of cosmic pillar that supports the heavens and connects them with Earth. It's real pretty. It is. Many other images fall under the designation Axis Mundi because they share in the symbolic meaning represented by a cosmic mountain tree or pillar that joins heaven, earth, and underworld. Or a road. No. <laughs> because the Axis Mundi serves as a locus where cosmic regions intersect and where the universe of being is accessible in all its dimensions, the hub of the universe is held to be a place sacred above all others. It defines reality for it marks the place where being is most fully manifested. The connection of the Axis Mundi with the full manifestation <laughs> the full manifestation of being is often expressed as an association with the supreme being to whom the Axis provides access. Oh, the Axis provides access. access. Say that five times yeah. fast. Ooh. This Axis Mundi is often traversed and its heights attained in a state of ecstasy brought about by spiritual techniques. Nice. Hence the term access money implies an intersection of planes through which transcendence to other kinds of being may be achieved. All these symbols imply a particular quality of experience. The symbols of access money are ambivalent. On the one hand, they connect realms of being, but on the other hand, they emphasize the distance between such, such realms. In short, they point to the need for a rupture of planes of existence for experience of an order quite different from that of the ordinary world. Huh. Quote to close it out. It's one I already said, but I love it so much, I'm going to do it again. It's from our Zachariah. He said, wow, running from angels, on foot, in heaven, with out-of-the-box thinking like that, I'm surprised you guys haven't stopped the apocalypse already. It was good. It's he a good one. He is so petty. I love him. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Denim Wrapped Nightmares. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram, leave a review, and let us know how we can get involved in the fandom. This was fun. Jerk. It always is, bitch. <laughs>